Hello, interview listeners. It's Jill, your host, with a quick reminder. The topics discussed on this podcast span artistic, intuitive, spiritual, and holistic awareness for both people and animals. Information shared should not replace medical, psychological, or veterinary care. This applies to myself, co-hosts, and guests on the show. I'm not a healthcare professional, nor do I give advice I'm not trained to offer. Please seek the appropriate help if you need to. Thank you. Now, on to the show. Are you still searching for that perfect holiday gift for the animal lover in your life? Well, don't roll over, Beethoven. I've got you covered. I create hand-drawn pet portraits using high-quality charcoal, graphite pencil, and pastels on your choice of 9x12 or 11x14 white, gray, or black paper. So shake a tail feather and go to agiloriginal.com and place your order today. Spirit Calling. I'm Jill, and this is my intuitively guided podcast where all things spiritual, creatively mix and mingle. As an artistic mystic, we'll talk about everything from Reiki to writing, art to angels, earth wisdom to meditation, and the psychic nudges only our soul knows. Thanks so much for joining me for another inspired conversation. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am so glad you could be here with me, skipping around the maypole of self-discovery. I'm Jill, your host and artistic mystic, and have we got the show for you today. If you want to learn more about how to get your own intuitive journey kick-started, stay tuned. My guest is Ray Catania. He's an author, metaphysical teacher, life coach, ordained minister, and holds certifications in Reiki and meditation as well as pursuing his doctorate in metaphysical parapsychology. Ray's award-winning books entitled The Atheist and the Afterlife and You Are Still Alive Now Act Like It offer profound insights highlighting Ray's intuitive abilities and metaphysical journey before and after having a near-death experience. With all of that said, please help me welcome to the show Ray Catania, Thank you, Ray. I am so happy you're here with me today. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. It is both an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm so excited to talk to you about your books and spiritual journey. You certainly have done your homework into the vast world of metaphysics. I would really love to hear, though, first a little bit about your backstory and how you became who you are today. Sure, sure. So I've written two books, as you know, the first was The Atheist in the Afterlife and the second was You're Still Alive, Now Act Like It. I take you through all the way from childhood, which is where a lot of things that came later really were derived from. Unfortunately, it wasn't a very happy home. There was a lot of, I guess, arguing and It was very traumatic for a child to 
observe and be involved in those types of things. And unfortunately, it, it just created an environment that I tried to withdraw from. And the more I would try to withdraw, I would kind of isolate myself and hide basically just to stay away from the things that were going on. And what that did was after doing that day after day after day for many, many hours, it's almost a form of meditation whereby you're pushing through the veil. You're pushing yourself, your mind out of your own body. So you're starting to experience things you would not experience normally unless you were really trying to do it. Like yogis who sit for hours on end or they do an entire week without speaking and just meditating. So if you can imagine putting yourself in that state, but as a child, and I wasn't doing it to accomplish anything, I was just simply doing it because it was self-preservation the way I saw it. I started to be able to see things, feel things. I became very intuitive. Some of the energies would even communicate with me. And as crazy as that sounds, at that age, when I, you're five, six, seven, I thought it was normal. I just had imaginary friends, but mine could talk back to me and they were actually real. Others, you know, they had their own version. And when that came out and got back to my parents, coming from a Catholic home, that did not go over well, to say the least. So, you know, that's crazy. You know, I became the Antichrist and never tell anybody that you don't see anything, you don't hear anything, blah, 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 blah. And I just suppressed it. I said, this is not real. I was told this is not real. I'm never going to bring it up again. And that's exactly what I tried to do. It sounds like a story a lot of people can probably relate to. I've just heard many people talk about how their gifts seem to be almost amplified as children with whatever was going on in their lives at the time. Yeah, I think you're right. I've, that's one common denominator that we'll see as we continue with the story is children of trauma are more susceptible to developing their abilities much quicker. We all have them, but we don't all develop them. By the time I was 25, I had endured a lot of life-threatening situations because chaos was my comfort zone, you could say. And as such, I would put myself into situations that I could potentially die. And I was doing this basically, you know, living on the edge, so to speak, or self-sabotage. But I don't see it that way. I just see it as a normal way of life because I don't know any other. That's where I came from. That's what I learned. That's what I saw. So now that's what I'm doing, right? That's part of what we do is we maintain all of these experiences and save them in our hard drive, which is our subconscious mind. And that becomes our world. So we actually, when you think about it, base a lot of decisions we make today, the foundation comes from before the age of seven years old. And, and this is a medically proven fact that the Jesuits, I think, said, show me a man or a woman of the age of seven and I will tell you the person they will one day be. Because we instill so much during that period, we absorb everything around us. So I am now just recreating what I'm seeing, but I'm taking it to the next level. 
I worked for some shady characters. I was involved in a lot of automobile accidents, fights that would nearly take me to the end of my life, um, a shootout or two. I mean, serious stuff. So, but there was always this being, okay, my friend from the closet that would get me out of the situation. These beings, as much as I rejected them, they stayed with me and saved me time and time again. One time there was a shootout in a bar and I was behind the bar and I'm hiding, hoping no one knows that I'm there. And I don't know, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have a gun. I'm just working there. So the voice tells me side door, side door. And I'm thinking, well, if I go to the side door, they're going to see me and I'm definitely going to get shot. Side door, side door. Okay. I went out, I went for it. I went to the side door, which took me down a very long corridor and then out another exit down there. And that not only got me to escape the situation, but I had parked my car right outside that door. And I've never done that in all the years that I worked in that place. For some strange reason, I parked my car there. So I was able to get out and get away quickly. And these types of things where someone or something was just kind of looking out for me have arisen on every level, small things, big things. One time I was very young and I was swimming in the ocean and the undertow kept taking me back farther and farther and I couldn't get back to shore. I didn't know what to do. I started to panic and I figured this is it. I'm going under and I'm going to die. And I'm trying to wave to the lifeguard who's paying no attention. I'm trying to wave to my father who's on the shore who's paying no attention and I'm going to die. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming feeling of calmness goes through my body. And the message I receive is swim on an angle, take as long as you need. There's no rush and get yourself to shore and calm down. And I did not know how I, I was like 10 years old. How would I know swimming on an angle is what you're actually supposed to do to get to shore? I had no idea, but it got me there. And I was calm until I hit the shore. And then the adrenaline kicked back in, if you can imagine, afterwards. So again, I was guided to safety. And these things have been happening throughout my entire life. And I think what that did was open up a box within my own mind that enabled me to be more intuitive, communicate with the other side and do things that were not exactly quote unquote normal. But remember the book is called the atheist in the afterlife. Now I chose atheism because I'm rebelling against my parents who are Catholic and I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, I, I have convinced myself that there's no such thing as this loving God that's looking out for me because that's absurd. Look at all the th terrible things I've seen. But notice that that's just a different perspective than I have today. Today, I'm telling you those were amazing things and someone or something did guide me out, right? Back in those days, I wasn't convinced that that was the case. I just thought I came up with an idea and I got myself out or whatever. And I suppressed that because remember, 
I was told this is not real. You would be the devil or the antichrist or this or that. If that was true, only God can do things like that. That is the very beginning of the story at the age of 20 is when I had my actual NDE. This wasn't a brush with death. This was a real death. And what had happened was there was a fire in my home and it was caused by the stove that was leaking gas and it was positioned directly underneath my bedroom. I, I was living with my parents at the time, obviously, and right above the kitchen was my bedroom. So I'm sleeping and gas fumes are rising. No one knows. In the morning, my mother goes down, turns on the stove and the fire lights up, but then it, it goes out quickly because there's, I, I believe there's some safety valve or something on the gas that, that makes it go off if something happens like that. I'm not sure because I didn't see the fire, but I was awoken by the fire trucks and the police cars and everybody being in my house. And I tried to get up out of bed to see what all the commotion was downstairs. And I found that most of my body was paralyzed. I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't move my mouth or my face, which was really strange because I could not yell. And I had very limited parts that would move. My right arm luckily was one of them. And I could reach the edge of the bed and I would try to pull myself to the edge of the bed. I felt very strange and I, I didn't know why. I didn't know what was happening to me, but I knew if I didn't get out of that bed, I was going to die. And I would pull myself a little bit closer and then I would pass out again. And then I would hear the ruckus downstairs. I'd wake up and I go, oh my God, I, I, I got to get out of this bed. And I would pull myself again, a couple of inches maybe, and then I would pass out again. Now, the next time I'm like, if I don't get out of this bed, I'm, I'm gone. So I give it everything I've got and I pull with all my might and I tumble out of the bed and I hit the floor. They hear me now. Everybody comes running upstairs, but I'm not in that body anymore. I did not feel the pain of hitting the floor just before the pain. I was already out of my lifeless body. And I was hovering above in the adjacent corner of the room where I was looking down at myself and my father comes in and scoops me up first and he's yelling for the paramedics and he's holding me and he's, he's very distraught. And I proceed to see this amazing white light, like a huge spotlight that's on me only. And there's a being at the end of the light explaining that, Ray, it's okay to enter the light. I was like, oh, he knows my name. And I felt like it was, not only was it safe, it was euphoria. It was the greatest feeling I've ever felt in my life. Or I guess, I don't know if you consider that being part of my life, but it was the greatest feeling ever. As I proceeded to get closer to the being, I felt better and better. But I hear my father. I see my father. I, that's probably one of the few times he ever hugged me. And I want that from him. So I, I say, I can't, I can't leave him that way. And the next thing I know, I'm awoken, but I'm not in that room. I'm in the living room. I'm on the floor. And the paramedics are working on me very di diligently with their tools and equipment. and 
they're like, we'll get this guy to the hospital. He's got no BP, blah, blah, blah. They're talking. And I'm like, guys, guys, I'm fine. I, I feel fantastic. Did you see the light? Did you hear the voice? And they start looking at me like, uh, is he on drugs? We better run a talk screen. And I was like, I better shut up because they're going to bring me to the wrong type of hospital if I don't. Because again, I remember that I'm told this cannot be real. So I have to shut it down in my mind again. They take me to the hospital. And when you come back from that experience, when you come back from an NDE, the immense pain that you feel in your body is unusually heightened worse than it was before. Because what happens is, remember, your energy exits the body. You're not part of that human experience anymore. So anything in the human body that you might have injured, but you didn't really take care of, maybe you broke your finger, but you didn't really take care of it. You just let it heal and it bothers you from time to time. Well, that little pain is now a huge pain when you come back. I was like, this sucks. I want to go back to the light. I want to do over. This is crazy. You know, my father didn't go on to hug me afterwards. Not, nothing I wanted to happen happened. So I wanted to go back to the light. But what transpires next is where things start to really get crazy. Because remember, I can see energy. I can interpret energy. Now that I've crossed over into the next realm and come back where energy is the primary. Well, actually, energy is the primary of everything here as well. But they come back with me. And I remember moving out of my house and getting my own place a couple of years later. And I had an apartment and I'm, I'm like 22 years old and I'm, this is going to be great. We're going to have parties and blah, 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 and chicks and stuff and whatnot. And that never occurred. Not, not even once because every time I walked into that apartment, it was like it was filled with people. I could feel the people in the room. And the vibrations inside of me, because I was so sensitive to this energy now, is I feel like a pinball in a pinball machine. It's just bouncing off me. And it's really disruptive. The line shooting across the, the, the white wall. I feel a little temperature change or a slight what feels like a breeze. I know it's not a breeze. It's just vibration. Electrical items would go on and off, you know, essentially by themselves. I was talking to my friend one time and I was just kidding around with him on the phone. We're on a landline. And I say, I think my house is haunted. Ha ha ha. Click. The phone goes right out. And I called him back and I said, did you hang up? No. Did you hang up? Anyway, what I was saying is my house is click. There's no mistaking what's happening. But again, I want to remain an atheist. I want this to be not real because life is easier that way. And I want to keep it that way because that's my comfort zone and do everything I can to maintain this. But they are so prevalent at this point that I can no longer sleep. So I start to turn to a lot of drugs and alcohol so that I can sleep. I definitely became dependent, especially upon alcohol. And I moved out of that place as quickly as I could thinking I'm going to get into my next place and everything's going to be great. And I'm going to be able to sleep and no such luck, that place was haunted too. So it's not the place. It's Ray. As I'm listening, I feel like entitling this episode, Wow. That's <laughs> such an incredible story so far. I want to just go back a second. As a child, 
dealing with trauma and not great situations mm. overall, and mm. how that led you into being a risk taker and not really mm. caring what happened to you. Then you go through the situation with the bar and getting mm. to your car, which is just unbelievable. At that point, I'm thinking as you're describing this, what nine lives does this guy have? We're beyond nine already. Yes, definitely. It's like that invincibility was almost like, oh, if this can happen, I'm going to do this. Do you feel that was your guide team helping you get by? Absolutely. I just don't know why they did it. I don't think I've done anything to be particularly worthy of, of these things that were given to me. I'm not even sure I'm worthy today. I don't know why I was given that. It was certainly a tremendous learning experience. Perhaps it's because today I'm here and I'm able to tell others about it and help them evolve in their journey. It sounds like your story has given you this platform to finally say, hey guys, I've been there. I get it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm just a regular person who dealt with some situations and I was forced to I guess, learn about these things. Whereas if I was always distracted, like kids today, they've got their phones and they're on social media and they're ha they have their television. When I'm hiding, I didn't have a television. I didn't have anything. And, you know, that type of a situation, anybody who's experienced real bad trauma knows that during the trauma, when you surrender to it, your mind does not want to be a part of it and you can remove your mind from your body. It's detachable. That's an out-of-body experience. We know that's real. When a person, myself included, there was a time that I was being beaten to the point where I just, I gave up and I'm like, I'm not getting out of here. Your mind exits it so you don't feel the pain anymore. Right. And it sounds like you're already very aware of how you leave your body and astral travel. So I am so gripped as to what happens next. You're now having spirits come to your apartment. Yes. And I, and I moved to try to avoid them or try to escape them. That did not work. And so I, like I said, I turned to a lot of drugs and alcohol and this went on for many years, you know, another 10 years of fearlessness, not worrying about death because in the back of my mind, I know that's great. Actually, it's a fantastic place. I'll go back to the light any day. But then I get married and I have two children and, and I'm responsible for them. Now this changes. Okay. No more fearlessness because they need me and no more drunken Ray because they need me. So I check myself into rehab and I go back to college and I complete my degree and I get a real job on Wall Street. And then I eventually move up into other things and I do quite well. And that's for them. And the second book is dedicated to them because they changed my life. They did more for me than I've ever done for them, in my opinion. And I didn't want them to know that until they were old enough to know it, which today they are. I've never touched a drink or anything ever again. And I just stayed committed to raising my children. Unfortunately, my marriage did fall apart very quickly. I believe it was like two or three years. And there was a very, very long time before I would even consider dating again. But eventually that day did come. My kids were getting older and I decided I was going to find somebody. So now 
the way to do things is on the computer and they have these sites and I'm like, all right, you know, let me, I'll give it a try. What the heck? And I did. And when they want to kind of get you to join their website, they'll show you some of the women that are in your immediate area to get you to join. Right. So I saw one in particular and I was just completely enamored. And I, and I said, Oh my God, I know that's my wife. That's she's my wife. I know that's my soulmate right there. Now she needs to know that. So I joined the site. I pay the money. I send her an email and I basically tell her, you know, you don't know this yet. Hi, I'm Ray. You don't know this yet, but you're my wife. And, you know, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you write me back. <laughs> sure. What a pickup line. Yes. Right. Exactly. So she, she did find it funny, thank God. And she did respond and we are together and we are married and, and it's great. We brought our families together. I knew that was going to be the case. I just knew it was almost like, here's this guiding force again, telling me that your soulmate. So we, when we're early on dating, I've managed to now put the beings in a place where we can all just get along, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, they're there, but they're not disruptive any longer. Mm -hmm. with exceptions, with exceptions. But here's what happens when I meet her. We go out on a few dates. We get to know each other. She says to me, so what are your spiritual beliefs? And I, I, I was like, well, I, I have no idea. I never really thought about it. You know, I knew I wasn't an atheist anymore because there was just too much evidence to the contrary. But I also didn't know what I was either. So I said, you know, I've always been meaning to get around to finding the, the answer to that question and maybe i'll pursue it now and she's and a little bit of time goes on and she and my birthday was coming and, and she says i'm gonna get you something for your birthday that's called a spiritual clearing and i said okay that's fantastic i have no idea what this is and i proceed to say we'll we'll have cake too right <laughs> yeah we'll have cake okay so i'll get the spiritual thing and we'll have cake and She's like, you don't have to be there. You don't have to show up. You don't have to do anything. It's done distance and she'll call you and tell you when it's going to be done. Don't book any appointments that day. Kind of keep your calendar clear and you might feel a little strange, but just go with it. It'll be fine. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Uh -huh. And the woman does call me. She says, I'm going to start at 10 a.m. If that's okay with you. I said, that, that would be just excellent. And I hung up the phone and sure enough, two hours later, I'm woozy. I mean, I'm really woozy, like trying to walk to the bathroom. And I'm kind of like, I, the room's just, you know, my eyesight won't focus. So I come and I sit back down and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. This is crazy. This has nothing to do with this spiritual thing. Just relax. Just relax. Everything is fine. And I take a couple of deep breaths and go on with my day. But it continues. It comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. I told my wife, she wasn't my wife then, but I told her how I had felt. And she's like, that's perfectly normal. It's, it's okay. It'll pass and you're going to feel better afterwards. And here's what comes afterwards. A man who's deceased comes to me right in, I'm going to try to explain the way I see things. It's like a movie screen almost in my mind. I don't see things with my eyes. I don't hear with my ears. This is happening telepathically. So it's information that's coming into my mind from someplace else, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's mm -hmm. not like I'm, I'm looking and I'm seeing a ghost. It's not television. It doesn't work that way. But I do see the movie screen and I do see a man and he's talking to me and he's saying, and this is a big guy. He's got a beard, mustache, very thick black hair, big, big guy. And he says, I effed up. I made a mistake. You can help her, but I cannot. It ends right there. And I'm like, okay, this is one of those disruptive beings. I'm going to explain. I'm not going to help you. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who you are. Just get out of my life. And, you know, I'm going to focus and refocus my attention on my work. And I'm going back to my original place. Well, he didn't accept that. And this began on a Friday. And he was with me every hour, pretty much. He would tell me the same thing. I effed up. I made a mistake. You can help her. I cannot. And it was like a video that just kept replaying over and over and over in my mind. On Saturday, it worsens. Now it's more than every hour. It's maybe three times an hour. By Sunday, it felt like it was every 10 minutes. And I can't function now. I can't drive. I was in the store paying for my merchandise. And the lady, I don't know what I did. I must have just paused. But she said, are you okay, sir? And I thought, and, and I said, no. No, I'm really not. And I checked out, I went to my car and I just sat there for a moment and I said, okay, this must be what schizophrenia is. I'm losing my mind. I need to get help. And I start thinking about how I'm going to get my affairs in order. I had a will done. I mean, previously before this, and I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I have that. And I want to make sure I have a DNR and I want to make sure I have all these things and my kids are taken care of and everything's going to be okay. Then I start thinking about, well, where am I going to get the help? And how am I going to tell this beautiful woman? I just fell in love with that. I'm crazy mm -hmm. with the fact that this woman who I love is a doctor of psychology and neuropsychology by trade for a living. It's her day job. I can't make this up. I, I say, you know what? I'm going to lose her anyway. She'll help me. She'll tell me where to go, right? She'll tell me what hospitals are better than others. I don't know. Whatever it is, she'll give me the information I need to get my, the help that I need. And so I proceed to tell her the story. I tell her how crazy I am. And I'm expecting that she's going to just write me a, a name and a phone number and give it to me and say, call this person and never call me again. That is not what happens. Very nonchalantly, she says, it's probably my dad. I said, what? And she said, well, my dad died 10 years ago and, and he communicates with me through mediums. You're probably a medium and you just don't know what it is. And I said, no, I don't know what it is. What the hell's a medium? God, I love this woman. <laughs> I told her more people love her than they, they love me. After <laughs> She's got a lot of fans. So yeah, she was just like very nonchalant. She's like, I've seen mediums and you know, my dad comes through and I said, but it doesn't look like your dad at all. I saw the picture that you have on the mantle and that's not the guy. I'm a hundred percent certain that's not the guy. And she proceeds to tell me that that's a very old picture. He had lost a lot of weight. His doctor told him he had to lose a lot of weight. He was cleanly shaven. He never looked like that. This is what he looked like. And she pulled it up on her phone. And I said, you know that guy? She said, that's my dad, silly. I had no idea what to do with this information. I was in so much shock. I don't think I said anything or moved for what felt like, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. 
And she's like, relax. You're, you're probably a psychic medium and you don't know it. And I said, I, I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah. What a relief. What gave relief in that moment, Ray, to have somebody listen and not judge. It's just beautiful. You had that opportunity. So after that, what happened? Okay. So now I'm still a skeptic. Even though it's happening to me, everything's happening to me, I'm still very highly skeptical. She says, let me take you to a medium. There's one in particular that's going to be in the state. She doesn't come around very often. She's fantastic. You guys can just sit. You can talk. She doesn't have to read for you. You just tell her what you see. And I'm like, that's a great idea. So that's what we do. She books two appointments, one for her, one for myself. And we get there and she goes, do you want to go in first? And I said, I have to go in first because if I don't, I'm running out this door. I'm petrified. It's like, I don't know which I want to be true. Crazy might be easier than being whatever this medium thing is. So I go in and I speak to her and I start to explain to her how I perceive the information that's transferred. And I gave her the first story of her dad. And I say, you know, the vibrations, if they're low, I know it's like a serious message. If they're high, then I know it's more of a lighter message and the movie screen opens and then what I'll see on the screen. And she goes, stop. And I said, what? She said, that's exactly the way we see it. That's exactly the way it works. I said, so you're telling me that this is real. She's like, I'm telling you that's exactly the way I see it. And then I proceed to tell her a couple of other premonitions that I've gotten. And she's like, okay, so that's clairvoyance. And she starts explaining what the different things are. She's like, I don't even know how to begin to tell you how rare it is for a man to be able to do one of these things, let alone all three. We don't have the brains like, you know, my wife can do 46 things at one time. I can do two. So anyway, she becomes my first mentor. Thank God she did because she really saved me from probably checking myself into a hospital, which did happen to her. Her parents actually thought she was crazy and put her away and she was never crazy. These are common stories of people who exert this at a young age. And it's not always throw everybody in a box because you're crazy. It's just a developed um, mind. That's a higher level of awareness. It's a year later and it's my birthday. Something always happens on my birthday, by the way, there's always big things that transpire. We decide to go away. It's the weekend just before, and we get to the place and my wife pulls out the picture that the medium drew. Now this is not the medium that I met with. This is another medium, one of the very first, and he was a spirit artist. So he could speak to the dead, but he could also draw them the way he saw them. Now, this was fantastic. I, I had never seen this. It's a drawing. And she shows it to me, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly the way I see him. Even in that shirt, it was a very distinctive shirt. It was popular in that time when he died. And she's like, yeah, we used to call it the Christmas shirt. He would take it out for Christmas because he was like a construction type uh, worker guy, he built houses for a living and you wouldn't see him get dressed up often. But when he did, that was his go-to shirt. You know, I was like, yeah, that's the shirt. That's everything. It's exactly the way I see him. That's amazing. I said, who is this guy? I have to meet this guy. 
And so I pull him up on the internet. His website is, we are now accepting applications for a two-year mentorship program with Joe. And the deadline to apply for such is February 15th. That is my birthday. Synchronicity is all over the place now as you're accepting the gift coming at you, right? Yes all over. So my wife says, are you going to apply? And I said, are you kidding me? If that's not divine intervention, I don't know what is. I spent years with him and this man is one of the most prominent mediums you've never heard of because he's the teacher to the mediums that you probably have. Also worked for many government agencies. He's found missing children. He's a go-to person for for a lot of very important people. To say I was in good hands was to say the least, but it was very, very hard to get into this mentorship. I applied and then he would send me like a booklet of essay questions I had to answer. And then I send that back and then you do it again. And then you have an interview and it's just hurdle after hurdle because he's not going to take you unless you're real and you can prove that you are real. It's a difficult thing to prove. So you have to answer the questions in great length and detail, exactly what happens, exactly what you feel, you know, know the difference between what this is and what that is. And so after I submitted all of this information, it was a lot of work. I never got a phone call. And I was like, so I'm not real. This is ridiculous. I got to get back to my job. I got to get focused on work and then that's it. But I, I just emailed his assistant for the heck of it. And I said, so did you guys get my application? Just wanted to check in. And she's like, oh my God, yes, yes. We got hundreds of applications. She goes, just please bear with us. We'll get to yours if we haven't done so already. We will. And I said, oh, okay. So there is still a chance, I guess. Hundreds of applications. Finally, I, I get the call and he welcomes me to the mentorship program. And I'm elated, I'm overjoyed, and I get into the class, and I'm thinking that there's going to be all these people in the class because there were hundreds of applicants. There were 11. I was the 11th. Incredible. So talk about integrity. program was thousands of dollars. I mean, it was not cheap. And he had hundreds of applicants. He could have just charged them all and made a ton of money. And instead... He will not take you unless you can prove that you have these abilities. There were 11 that made it. The other 10 were professionals. Like they do this for a living already. And then there's me. Did you feel at this moment like, yeah, I, I, I can do this. I am good at this. No way. I still doubted myself. I was still skeptical. I was not, I mean, no, no. No way. I was told I'm not going to mount to anything. I'm never going to be anything. And, you know, I, everything that I did was all, all, all like rebellious. And no matter how much money I made and how great of a job that I had, it was never good enough anyway. So I had this feeling of low self worth. And then I'm watching these other folks and I don't know what their impression of me was, but I was very intimidated by them because the rest of my class is working in that field. And I'm just doing this very easily. And did you have the desire to get into this field as a medium? I thought about it, yes. And I studied hard with Joe. However, I made the determination that was just too taxing on my emotional well-being. 
in order for me to do the work, I have to allow the being to sort of enter me. It's a form of quantum entanglement where I have to really allow their energy to enter me in order to be able to transmit the information to the person who's the sitter. That doesn't leave me for hours. To me, Ray, it sounds like all of your life experiences have been so intense that by the time you got to this point in your life, you're like, ah, enough already, putting the limits on it and not feeling like you're constantly being bombarded with it, that you get to control how often you can connect. And that's what I learned, how to turn it on and how to turn it off, because that was the most important thing that I really, really needed to learn. I've done it enough times in class where I've been validated over and over. I don't need validation. If I could do the work, I respect mediums so much because it's a painful process. And by painful, I mean emotionally painful. You must carry the other person's emotions. And the emotions that are coming through are very strong. Whether they're regret or love, it's coming through in such a powerful way that you almost are that person for a little bit then it stops. Even after we break the connection for the next two hours, I'm not me. Mm-hmm. I can't take on someone else's sadness, sorrow, guilt, and anger. I just got rid of those. Yes, exactly. I hear that in your voice. I see that in the stories. And it's really incredible too, because you're at this place in your life and because you lived it, you went through it, you understand it. You know what you don't want. How did you take what you learned up until this point and you went into the higher education with parapsychology? Uh, it sounds like you're very into the science behind what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. So for me, being the skeptic that I was, I needed scientific theories that were plausible enough for me to believe them, that it makes sense that if you use this principle, you can attach it to this spiritual principle. And that's why this occurs. And that's what I did in the second book. I did it a lot in the first book too, but in the second book, I was very, very specific to make sure that I do that because the second book is about how to achieve your own spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And in for me to help others, I felt it was best that I not only show the story of myself, of what occurred, but also the science behind whatever that particular spiritual event was, how it happens, why it happens. It broadens your awareness of it. And when that happens, you are in acceptance of it and you know it when you see it or when you feel it. So if you're reading the second book and you're learning from it, you will be able to remember that when these things arise, you'll be able to see the things that you didn't see before. And hopefully it's going to take you down the path of higher consciousness, which it did for me. That's what I decided to do instead of going in the mediumship direction, which I wanted to work for the FBI. I was like, I want to find missing children. And he's like, let me explain what that is first. And when Joe proceeded to really get into the details of that, I was like, maybe I should hold off. Mm. You've got to see some horrible stuff. As you're talking, I'm thinking of like remote viewing. I'm sure you learned a lot in that ship about. Yeah, he's actually quite famous for his remote viewing 
Would you say, Ray, after everything that's happened to you, you feel your purpose is to let others know they're not alone and that there is a way to use really tough experiences to help yourself graduate into a better version of yourself? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. I literally quit my day job because I couldn't relate to it anymore. I just was not on that frequency any longer. I had a a great position, but I left to pursue trying to help others with the knowledge I now have, because I think that might be why I got the help I got from the beings from a very young age, why the things that have transpired, what I've learned from them is meant to be given to other people. That's why it's here. Because I am that average, regular kind of guy that had these crazy experiences, but I can give it to other people in a way that it it's like, you know, we're friends and we're just chit-chatting and I'm telling you a story about what happens, but it's a little different than one you might normally have with one of your friends to heighten your own awareness and get you to realize that you can do this too. There's so much you can tap into that you probably are not aware of yet because we're all born with this. If you go back to the 1500s, when the very first medical textbooks were written, we had six senses. We didn't have five, we had six. And the sixth was consciousness. And I believe consciousness is the spirit or the soul. That is the energy that is emitted from the brain. If somebody says, oh, you have a lovely aura, that's your energy, that's your consciousness emitted from your body. And when our energies mix together, it feels good. And that's why somebody says, oh, you have a wonderful aura about you. They might not even know what that means, but what that actually means scientifically is your energy is commingling with the other person and it feels good. I think too, because society has gotten so dumbed down, metaphysically speaking, people need to be reminded that their intuitive skills are sitting there ready to be tapped into and that we also have these incredible spirit helpers at the ready to assist us. So for you to say, hey, I'm a regular Joe who fought this my entire life, but by embracing this awareness, my whole entire life changed in ways I couldn't imagine for the better. The scenarios you share are incredibly gripping and something about the energy behind this information resonates on such a deep spiritual level. I don't know if your guides are getting my guides attention, but I'm getting intuitive hits for myself just listening to your stories. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for saying that. When I coach folks, either one-on-one or even in groups, I try to point these things out and people say the same thing like, oh my God, that's happened to me. It clicks all of a sudden out of nowhere and they get it and they understand it. And then they can take it home and practice it and utilize it in their everyday life. Metaphysics is the study of science and spirituality and bringing it together. And when you see it, you can't unsee it. When you feel it, you can't unfeel it. When you understand that everything is made of energy and your mind has the ability to manipulate energy, there's nothing you can't do. You are the creator. You are part of the creator. 
every religion actually, which I'm not, you know, not the greatest fan of organized religions, but I'm okay with them because there's always a version that says you're a part of God and God is a part of you. Nothing can be truer than that. You are a creator. You can make things happen and you and your higher self together. Unbelievable. The things that you can do. That's very inspiring, Ray. And to just allow things to unfold once you tap into these parts of yourself is such a game changer. I'm a lifelong learner and seeker. And sometimes you want things to happen so badly, you don't leave room for allowing things to come in. Would you say this is also a big part of your message and work? Absolutely. Allow it. You can't even say it better. Allow things to happen. Surrender to what is and be the observer. You do disconnect in order to be that observer. And the things that you'll take away when you're not emotionally attached, you're not dealing with it from that angle, you will see it differently. And when you see it differently, You'll realize the things that you like about yourself when you're in that situation. You'll think about the things you don't. And you can also see other people in that light and other situations in that light. It opens up a perspective of looking at life through a completely different lens. And it's very fulfilling. And uh, I'll tell you, the moment I knew for a fact, I had a major spiritual awakening. I call it the deer story. And it's it, it, it goes like this. My wife and I weren't married yet, and we were still living in separate houses. And it was snowing, and it was late at night, and I wanted to get a jump start before the big blizzard was going to hit. And so I'm driving home. Now, at this point in my life, I still have the very expensive car because I think that's a big deal. And I saved up enough money to buy it because I think that's a big deal, too. And I'm driving along and it's very difficult to see anything. And I drive right into a deer. Mm. Me, the old me, my go-to emotion for everything was anger. Everything. All things negative became anger slash violence. I hit that deer. You would think my adrenaline was going to surge. I was going to rant and rave and get out of the car and yell or whatever. And nothing like that happened nothing. I was calm and I felt bad for the deer. I got out of the car to make sure the deer was okay. And it got up. We looked at each other and I was, I've never been so close to a deer in my life. And, you know, she's looking at me, I'm looking at her. I'm like, you okay? Yeah. yeah, Okay. You okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And we both walked off. I mean, the car was really bad shape, but it was drivable. I pull over and I was going to call my wife and tell her what happened. And I said, why am I calling her? to upset her. Nothing here can change. This is what it is. There's nothing I can do about the situation except choose how I want to feel about it from this moment forward. And I don't want to let this incident change anything about myself. And so I just simply drove the car to the auto body shop, parked it, took an Uber to my house. And the next morning, my son woke up and he thought my car was stolen. It's like, dad, your car's gone. And I was like, no, 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 I, I had an accident. What? You had an accident? Why don't you call me and tell me you had an accident? And I said, that's why I didn't call you and tell you I had an accident. It doesn't matter. I'm fine. It's like you're bathing in this awareness that's so much bigger than you that you dove completely into. And it's amazing sharing all of the raw pieces of your story 
and then how all of those are a part of you today. And it's so much of everybody too. Everyone's got these pieces they don't like to share. You're out there saying, no, this is a part of me. This is who I am. This is who I was. This is who I've become, but it's all me and I embrace all of it. Yes. And one of the practices that I teach is own your own SHIT. You've got to stand up and wear it like a badge of honor and say, this is who I am, the good and the bad, the worst of the worst and the best of the best. You've got to own all of it. You can't own part of it. You can't cover it up, put it away, push it down. Because if you want to reach that level of losing the emotions you no longer want to have, you've got to acknowledge where they came from and almost literally, you know, be proud. Yeah. You know what? I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. Ooh, that's great energy. I love how you said that to stand in your own power and stake your claim because we are so much more than who we are on this earth plane. You gave a glimpse into what your experience after your NDE was like and how that helped you to see your life like you do today, I would love to have you back to hear what's going on as your story continues to unfold. I'd love that. Absolutely. I would love that. There's obviously more information people can learn in your books. Could you share how people can find those and also you and your offerings? Well, you can reach me at raycatania.com or limitlesspublications.com. And there you can find out where you can purchase the books, obviously Amazon and just about any bookstore in the world, you can find it both. And also I do private coaching and I'm about to have classes online as well. So we're going to roll out a whole new website. Keep an eye open for that. And you can subscribe to the website now so that you'll find out when all of that is going to take place later. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'll have all of this information in the show notes for everybody as well. And again, I just appreciate your time, Ray. This will air the day before Thanksgiving. So great energy for being thankful. Mm, Thank you for saying that. Honor my privilege to be here. Thank you to everyone who's rated, reviewed, and follows the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. I really appreciate your support. Also, if you'd like to learn more about me, check out spiritchi.org for my earth wisdom workshops, agiloriginal.com for my hand-drawn pet portraits and more, and hellointerview.com for podcast updates. Remember, new episodes of Hello Interview drop every Wednesday. Until then, let your love light shine, everybody. Bye.